0: Amen. Verses 1 through 7. Amen. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. For time's sake, I'm going to go ahead and read. Amen. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will shew thee, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. Somebody say blessing. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so Abraham departed as the Lord Had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there, somebody say there, there builded he an altar unto the Lord. My subject this Sunday, this first Sunday of February, is simply this, building altars, building altars. Would you pray with me one more time? Amen. And just ask the Lord to have his way and to speak to us. Lord Jesus, we come before you as your children. We come before you as your servants, humbling ourselves. I pray, Lord God, that you would, Lord God, baptize us today with an ear to hear, a heart to receive your word a willingness to be transformed, oh, Lord God, and to live a life, Lord God, that is defined by the altars we build today. May those altars be unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we clap our hands one more time as we're seated unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's lift up a shout and give him praise. building altars, building altars. The altar is a place of sacrifice. Excuse me. I won't run my battery there. The altar is a place of worship. The altar is a place where we surrender what we love And declare with deep conviction, Jesus, I love you more than that. The altar is where we surrender our plans and declare with conviction, Jesus, I love you more and I trust your plans more than my own plans. The altar is a place where we lay down what would bring credit and merit to us. We lay down our pride, and we give all glory to Jesus Christ. And our life is defined by the altars we build. Amen. Near the beginning of this year, and as we launched last week, Hey, man, our vision for 2020, it's time to build. The first thing in our lives that we must be sure to build early and often are altars. Our lives and our destinies, uh, hey, man, will be defined by the altars we build. Whether we build altars unto things that will perish and fade away or if we will build altars unto the only one and true and living God, Jesus Christ today. The truth is this, is that, amen, altars unto the Lord. The flesh despises the altar that God calls for. My flesh despises the altar. Your flesh despises the altar. Why? Why? Why does our flesh, right? Because there's no holy flesh. We're all rotten, stinking flesh. Come on, go ahead. You just might as well point to yourself and say, I'm rotten, stinking flesh. I know. See, our flesh doesn't even like to hear us say that to ourselves, right? But that's what we are. The apostle Paul said, within this flesh, there is no good thing. Our flesh despises the altar. Why? Why? Because the altar is where flesh, which is our innate carnal desires, come to die. The altar is where our flesh, which is our innate carnal, earthly focused and centered desires, come to die. The altar is where our flesh comes to die and the altar is where god's will lives in us every day in our lives every day of our lives there are two competing agendas my will and god's will your will In God's will. Every single day, if you're living and breathing, there are two competing agendas in your life and in my life. It is my will versus God's will, and my will is not God's will, and God's will is not my will. They are against each other, they are at odds with one another. My will. My human will does not want the will of God. Your will, your human will and desires, does not want the will of God. My will wants control. Your will wants control. What's the issue with having control of our own lives, pastor? I love God, pastor. What's the issue of being in control of my own life? What's the big deal? We need to watch when we say what's the big deal to God and to the things of God. It's just a note. It's something that I've learned and have to continue to learn. Amen. when my flesh wants to say, what's the big deal of the commitment that God is asking for? What's the issue of being in control of my own life? The issue is that our will leads to death. The issue with my will is that my will leads to death. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, and ultimately, eternally. My will leads to death. That is the issue with being in control of my life. My will and your will leads to death, but God's will leads to eternal life. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8, 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of flesh. The spirit, the issue with our will today is that our will is consumed with the temporal. Our will is consumed with things that aren't going to last. Amen. Our will is consumed with things that won't mean nothing 150 years from now. We're on week three. Today begins week three uh, of our final week uh, of prayer and fasting. Uh, Amen. And if you're like me, uh, amen, your flesh has been crying and screaming uh, this whole time for things that aren't going to matter 10 years from now. Your cup of coffee is not going to matter 10 years from now. That meal you're, you're abstaining from is not going to matter 10 years from now. That media you're abstaining from is not going to matter. But what's going to matter is when I fill my life with the word of God. And I fill my life with the presence of God. Amen. Because that's going to be what lasts. Last Sunday. Last Sunday. I was shocked, as I'm sure of all who have heard the news, were shocked. I was on my way home, probably left the church about two something, amen, last week, and I picked up some dinner or lunch for my wife and I. I finally sat down and I was looking at LeBron passing Kobe Bryant for the all time scoring, amen. And I was just, I was just, I'd been on the website for about 10 minutes, and then my wife said, Oh, Kobe. I said, "Yeah, LeBron just passed Kobe. Kobe died." I said, "There's no way. I'm on ESPN right now." And as I hit refresh, I saw Kobe Bryant. I'm a Lakers fan. That's that's my team. You know, I've 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 watched him play since '96. I I remember I remember reading the USA Today. Amen. Amen. Back in high school, the, the All America team in 1996. I I could I could tell you who was on that All American basketball team. From high school in ninety six. That's how much of a fan I am. I, I I'm just into that stuff. In eighteen all stars, five championship rings, a lot of charity work, a loving husband, father. Gone. Gone. And credit to human ability, I mean, I don't take anything away. It's it's amazing to see what mankind can do with the gifts that God gives them. But the truth is this, the five rings perish. 18 all-stars, it perishes. The mansions, the vacations, the yachts, it all goes away. His family, amen, as much as much as I'm sure they will receive that, 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 is, you know, that he's left to them. And I'm sure many will outpour and are outpouring love and support to his wife and his remaining daughters. And my heart is broken for them. And I've been praying many prayers for that family as well as for the other families who lost lives as well. But I'm telling you something, amen, their money can't do anything to fix their pain. His stature, it doesn't matter what his name was. It does nothing to fix their pain. Why do I bring that up today? It's because we can be so consumed with temporal things that we bypass, we miss the things that really matter in the scope of eternity. Our will is consumed with the temporal. God's will is consumed with the eternal. And I'll say this, body of Christ, I think it's important that we pray for things like this we see in the news. We need to pray for that family. We need to pray for the families affected. It's so important that we do that. That's, they're real people, as we can see. But God's will is consumed with the eternal. Eternal. Our will is consumed with what we want right now. God's will is consumed with eternity. Eternity. I'm feeling prompted to do this. We're going to pray. I feel like we need to pray for those affected by that crash. Would you just lift your voice, and man lift your hands unto the Lord, or would you just ask the Lord to minister and comfort, amen, and, and reach for those families affected by that, Lord. Right now, in the name of Jesus, there are many hurting families, Lord, affected. Lord God, by this crash, Lord God, we, we pray, Lord God, for every family. Lord, no matter what their earthly accomplishments were, they're all just, Lord, ordinary people in your sight, Lord God. Lord, they're people in need of a Savior, people in need of healing, people in need of your comfort, Lord. I pray your ministering angels, Lord God, that your light would shine in their darkness amidst their pain. We pray that you would comfort them. We pray that you would draw them to you, Lord God, for you're the great physician who can heal and mend the broken hearts, Lord. Lord Jesus, uh, we pray your hand upon, the Lord, every family affected by this crash, Lord God, and our world, our, our world that's in a state, Lord God, of realizing and understanding how frail we are and how desperately we need you in this time of mourning, Lord God, in this time where we're, we're realizing our frailty like never before as a society. Help us to understand we can't make it without you. We need you, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name. Romans 8, 6 says, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, our will, Edward Ford's will, because I don't have holy flesh and you don't have holy flesh. And there's no such thing as holy flesh, which is why we need the Holy Spirit. Our will is to be carnally minded. God's will is for us to be spiritually minded. Our will leads to death physically, emotionally, spiritually, and eternally. God's will leads to life physically, emotionally, spiritually, and eternally. The Bible continues in Romans 8, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh can't please God. That's why I need to fast. That's why I need to pray. That's why I need to read. God's word and obey God's word. Why? Because it's crucifying this flesh so I can please God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit if everyone say if. It's a big word in the scripture. You're not in the flesh but in the spirit if So be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This isn't Pastor Ford's doctrine. This isn't some organization's doctrine. This isn't Lighthouse's doctrine. This is the word of God here today. Amen. The Bible is telling us today that we can be in the Spirit. Uh, Amen. Amen. But we need to, if we're going to be in the Spirit, we need to have the Spirit of God residing inside of us. The flesh cannot please God. I want to say it again. The flesh cannot please God. Our flesh cannot please God. Because this flesh is consumed with itself. This flesh is consumed with the things that won't last for eternity. It's consumed with it. Amen. Amen. Our flesh, amen, is consumed with things, amen, that are self-serving. It's selfish. My flesh is selfish. Your flesh is selfish. Her world sometimes does good deeds and hopes to sit back while the accolades pour out about how noble we are. That's flesh. Whether it's publicly or privately our flesh seeks credit that's why we got to pray through in private that's why amen when when your flesh starts trying to talk you up amen and i don't mean having a self-abasement or i, I don't mean i don't mean being self-degrading but amen but our flesh tries to talk us up and you've got to tell yourself there's no good thing in me anything good from my life comes from God And if we don't really believe that, we've got some soul searching to do. The flesh is manipulative. The flesh is conniving and will do anything to preserve itself and its carnal desires. Come on. You want, you want the flesh to act up? Just go ahead and say you're going to go on a fast. Just, just. Just decide to go on a fast and watch how selfish, manipulative, conniving your flesh begins to get. Watch how many excuses your flesh begins to make about everything. And your flesh tries to twist stuff. Why? Because it wants to stay alive. But if the flesh and my will stays alive, amen, I'm going to die. But when I yield... My will, to God's will. When I put my flesh upon an altar and say, flesh, you've got to die so that the spirit of God may live in me, not my will, but thine be done. That's when the power of the Holy Ghost can fall. Amen. The flesh and its wickedness, our flesh in its selfishness is the very reason we need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. This year, this March is 25 years that I've had the Holy Ghost. I still desperately need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I need Jesus to fill me every single day. I need Jesus to renew me every single day. Why? Because I still live in flesh. This is why we need the Holy Ghost. This is why we need an altar in our lives. And when I say altar, I don't mean creating with your hands a small edifice or structure. God is calling us to build a place of prayer and surrender unto Jesus in our lives. Amen. We are defined by the altars we build. We are defined by the altars we worship at. And if we're going to be anything in this life, it's going to be because we do Died at an altar we built unto the Lord and daily prayed not my will but thine be done. If you are going to be anything in life that has eternal value and makes an impact when we're no longer here, I don't mean when people are just touched the greatest impact is when lives are changed. Why do I, why do I give myself? Why do people wear themselves out? Why do people amen pray and intercede until they've lost all strength? Why do people amen stay awake long hours and give themselves to prayer, give themselves to teaching? Amen. It's so that human lives can have eternal value. It's so that humanity can have eternal value. It's so that when I'm dead and gone, uh, there can be somebody still worshiping God, uh, so somebody who is still an overcomer because Jesus Christ uh, who loved them, uh, amen. That's what this is all about. That's what church is all about. We're not a moral social club. We're the church. And I need a place of sacrifice in my life. I need an altar in my life. You don't need to go home and build an altar with your own hands. We need to go home and build an altar with our life of prayer. We dedicate our lives to Jesus Christ, amen, to his will and to his purpose. At an altar, David said, "Morning, evening, and at noon uh, will I pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice." Uh, when we pray, the spirit world gets to moving. When we pray, Him and angels get to moving. When we pray and submit ourselves to God, uh, Amen. And my will dies, and my flesh dies. Uh, the supernatural can have happen. Uh, prayers are sent this way and that way. Uh, amen. God can change things here, and He can change things there. All because someone said. Not thy will, but thy will be done, O oh God. Let's clap our hands and give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The flesh cannot please God. This is why we need the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is God's nature and desire living inside of humanity. And what's some important for us to know about the altar is that, amen, the Holy Ghost only falls upon an altar. I'm gonna mess with your theology a little bit. Or your churchology a little bit. We dedicate this front area as an altar, but this isn't the only altar. There needs to be an altar in your car. There needs to be an altar in your home. Hallelujah. Hey man, your time at that altar at home, it needs to be, your time at your altar at home unto the Lord better be more than the time you spend at this altar here. The Holy Ghost falls only upon the altar. The Holy Ghost falls where man has surrendered his will. Over the course of this year, we're going to be learning about building altars and many other things that I believe the Lord has, amen, imparted unto me or spoken to me concerning where He's wanting, what he's wanting to build in this church. But he says, anything I build in your life, anything I build in this church, it begins with an altar. In the Old Testament, when a sacrifice was brought unto the Lord and placed upon the altar if that sacrifice was brought as their absolute best sacrifice, in other words, there wasn't a second best somewhere else. Uh, I mean, there, there, there wasn't something more valuable somewhere else. There wasn't something left in the tank, something in the reserve somewhere. Uh, if, if that sacrifice was brought unto the Lord and placed unto the altar as their very best, if it was laid on the altar with the right motive, and heart before God then the fire of God would fall from heaven and consume the sacrifice from the time of Moses in the tabernacle the fire from heaven was God's approval that man had finally surrendered their all to him and withheld nothing I'm nearing the close here But stay with me here. Genesis 22 talks about the life of Abraham. I'm going to read through this quickly here for time's sake. 22 verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt, or he tested Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Abraham said, Behold, here am I. And God said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. What do you love, child of God? What's valuable to you? Whom thou lovest and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him, offer what you love there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Obedience. Obedience. Verses three in five, through five, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him again, obedience. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. And come again to you. And so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. He laid it up upon Isaac, his son. He took the fire. He's binding Isaac up, prepared to offer Isaac as a burnt offering, as the Lord commanded him. What that meant was you had to slay your offering. You had to put your offering to death to offer it unto the Lord. And this is what the Lord commanded. Abraham he didn't command anybody else. Abraham was the only one that the Lord asked such a thing. And so Abraham, long story short, he took him out there. He said to those servants that were with him, he said, I and the lad are going to go up in worship. We're going to go up to this altar. I'm going to put my son. I'm going to put what I love the most on the altar. He didn't say, I'm going to come again. He said, we're going to come again to you. But first, we're going to worship. Will you stand with me today? And as Abraham did that, he he bound his son upon that altar. He lifted his knife to strike and when he began his downward motion the angel of the lord prevented him and said to abraham abraham offer not thy son slay not thy son for now i We can go to verse twelve. I'm first. So, uh, can we get verse twelve up there, please? He, he said, "Lay not thine hand upon the land, lad. Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God." I had to put you into that pressure, Abraham. I hear what you say, Abraham. You say you love me. You say you trust me. You say you trust me, Abraham. You say you trust me, Abraham. You say you trust me, Abraham. You say you me. It takes work to build an altar. Heavy stones, and we're gonna learn about altars for a while. I can't fit it in all today. Fit it all in today. I want you to offer it. I want you to give it. I want to know. I want to know. You haven't proven you trusted me yet, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an opportunity to show that you trust me. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to show that you love me. Cause because God's rule is this. Can't trust what you can't test. God will always test you before He trusts you with blessing, with heritage, with anointing, with covenant. I gotta test you first. That's that's why we have all these tests in society. We're emulating our creator God. He he tests us before he brings us to another level. withheld seeing you have not withheld thy son thine only son from me today the Lord's not asking us to offer a physical sacrifice. He's not asking us to bind an animal. He's not asking us to bind our child. As I mentioned before in Scripture, Abraham, amen, was the only one that God asked to do that for, and God did not let him go through with it. It was a test of Abraham's faith and love for God, amen, in his reverence for God, because God had previously promised him, I'm going to make your seed your children, and this was Abraham only child. I'm gonna make your children like this, the number of the stars of the sky, the sands or the grains of the sand. But I want to know if you're gonna withhold what you love from me. I want to know. I want to know if you love me more. I want to know if you love me more than that house. I want to know if you love me more than that car. I want to know if you love me more than your spouse, more than your children, more than your parents, more than your siblings, more than anything in this life. I, God, wants to know. It's a test. Somebody say it's a test. And so now the Lord says in Romans 12, we're not offering lambs and goats today. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is is our offering. This is our altar today. Amen. We don't build altars by stone. We build altars by prayer and surrender. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Today, what we need to understand is this the fire which represents the Holy Ghost the fire which represents the demonstration of the Spirit of God only falls go and die that my will may live in you I'm going to invite us to this altar we're going to pray in closing here today it's our second Sunday after Vision Sunday we're still early in the year and there are great things the Lord wants to build in our lives this year we can't even fathom can't even imagine all the Lord wants to build. Here's the thing. If Abraham is looking back hindsight 2020 years later, his children are the stars of the sky and the grains of the sand. And he's given this inheritance, this land. altar begins with a place of repentance here today. Repentance doesn't mean we've done something big and evil and dark and grim. That's not what repentance is all about. If you feel that way, I want to give us understanding. That's not, that's not what compels us to repent. Jesus said, except you all repent, you shall all likewise perish. We need repentance in our life. And that's what the repentance is all about, is my will dying. And as I repent, as we repent, as we seek him and to dedicate ourselves to God, the Holy Ghost will fall. The fire will fall. Ourselves to him. Lord Jesus, here today, we have come to surrender our will. We've come to die. We've come for our will to die. We've come for our desires to die. We've come for our opinion to die. We've come for our understanding, our human carnal understanding to die. Uh, Lord Jesus, we've come to surrender to